0: and Steve on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports the local sports leader. And a merry Merry Christmas Eve to all of you on this happy Saturday afternoon. This is Arizona Sports Saturday. It is your weekend stop for live and local sports talk Mitch and Steve. That's us Mitch Varela, the Steve Zinsmeister Trevor Henry kind enough to take the Eve with us on this Arizona Sports Saturday as well. And I got to tell you Steve I'm a little amped up for a couple of reasons. Number 1, I'm on about 5 hours of sleep. I saw the new Avatar movie last night oh. in IMAX and the only time the only time that I could coordinate with my friends to watch this movie was at 10:15 at night. Is it a uh, is it a Christmas movie? It's not quite a Christmas movie. (laughs) Okay. It is a three hour and 12 minute movie, however. Uh, See, I
1: I couldn't do that. Did you find the best place for me to go to the bathroom in the middle of the movie?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I always need to know that (laughs) going in. So the theater that we were at, we specifically, because my friend was adamant about this. Well, not adamant. I was in agreement with him, but he emphasized that he would have liked to have seen it in IMAX. Okay. That's what we did. The experience itself, the scope of this movie, it is definitely one that I would endorse seeing in IMAX, just because of what it is. We know how James Cameron likes to build his movies. But it's funny you say the bathroom thing, because one of the people we went with, she wanted to know where the nearest restroom was. And my immediate follow-up was, you know we have seats in the middle of the row, right? Oof. Yeah. That's
1: the worst, because then you got to get past all those people.
0: But like, I didn't, I didn't anticipate this coming in. I was not prepared for this aspect of it. My only goal was to make sure that we had the best seated view for the entirety of this three-hour movie. Oh, yeah. You want to be in the middle
1: for viewing purposes, but you, it, it sucks. It's the same thing at a sporting event, right? Like it right. sucks when you're on the, in the middle because you got all those people you got to step over to get to the bathroom. Or to go get like a hot dog or whatever it is. Exactly. Exactly.
0: The other thing was this theater, speaking of, the rows were so tight. Walking through an aisle is like how you do at a baseball game where you basically have to turn sideways and crab walk across the row. So I don't know what
1: other people do, but when other people are coming through the aisle and I'm, let's say, on the end or something, I stand up and, like, push my seat, like, back as far as I go. Like, I stand up. I don't do the whole, like, move your knee over. I feel like that's pretty, like, it doesn't really do anything. It just makes you look like the bad guy. Nothing is easily I stand up, yeah. give them as much room as possible, usually say something nice like, hey, how's it going, or no problem,
0: whatever. That's me. So know. that's number one. Reason number two that I'm amped up today, we have, we have four televisions in this studio for those that are not aware of how this studio is laid out. And two of them, soon to be three of them, are going to be projecting nothing but NFL football games. There's a lot of football today, and a lot of cold weather football this weekend. NFL Saturday. I know Trev's doing everything he can to watch the Lions play this morning. The Lions, who are on the on the hunt for the playoffs, Trevor. That doesn't sound right, doesn't it? It doesn't. Although it's also crazy to think that they're not the furthest separated from their last playoff appearance. They can be over 500 today. This is crazy. That'd be great. I'm sure Michigan is going nuts right now. Oh, without question. Without question.
1: They're a very fun team to watch. Offensively. Defensively, just kind of close (laughs) your eyes and hope for the best. But (laughs) offensively, very fun to watch.
0: Speaking of teams that are fun to watch and teams that are not fun to watch, last night was not fun to watch.
1: It'll be LaRavia dribbling across the timeline, and that will do it.
0: Grizzlies win it by the final of 125-100 and improve to 20-11 and on the season. They end a two-game losing streak, but they hand the Suns their second loss in a row. Phoenix falls to 19-14 and and 14-5 and here on their home floor. Memphis Grizzlies take down the Phoenix Suns 125-100, as you heard on the final call there from John Bloom. That's their now third consecutive loss, after or second consecutive loss, excuse me, after just getting off a five-game losing streak, that they responded with a three-game winning streak, and now I'm kind of coupling this whole 10-ish game stretch into one. Three wins out of your last 10 is no bueno yeah, for this
1: team. And they're four and eight in their last 12, because it really started when they lost to the Rockets. Um at home 122 to 121 you lose on that last last point i I think that the suns are certainly going through something now listen we've talked about this the last couple of shows you'd rather it be now than in the playoffs that you're going through these sorts of 100 they had a long period of time without chris paul cam johnson's been out for a long time we've talked about jay crowder a gajillion times we're probably going to talk about him again later um there was a time where they had to deal without DeAndre Ayton for a hot minute. Devin <laughs> Booker was out. So l- listen. All things considered, to still be in the position that they're in, being 19 and 14 as we sit here today, uh, that's a pretty good position to be in considering the amount of adversity that they've faced. Sure. If they had all of their players available to them and they didn't have the drama of Jay Crowder and maybe to some extent uh, even the uh, the ownership like sale of the team, maybe that plays somewhat of a role in the mentality of the organization, although probably not much. Um I, I just think if they were going through zero adversity, I would want them to be better than 19 and 14.
0: Could you argue that every team is going through some sort of adversity right now? Yeah. I mean, you if you want to know the real adversity that, heck, Memphis was going through, last night was the first game that they had their big three together all season, their big three being Ja Morant, Desmond Bain, and Jaron Jackson Jr., at the start of the season, it was just John Desmond, and then Desmond went out, and then Jer- Jer- uh, Jaron, excuse me, came back. And last night was the first night all three of them played together, so they finally had their full complement. But they've been grinding away. Yeah, they, they, granted, haven't been dealing with a new ownership change, haven't been dealing with a very murky offseason, and some perhaps overhanging tension between the center that they just paid a max contract and the head coach. They're not dealing with a significant injury to their best player. Well, I, and look, look,
1: when you get a performance like they got last night from Brandon Clark, too. I yeah, mean, twenty-four points. He hits ten free throws, which is basically going to get you halfway there. Seven for ten from the floor. Five, uh, five offensive rebounds, ten rebounds total. He had two steals. I mean, like that's a player off the bench that really put them over the top yesterday.
0: I mean, how about this? Jaw was four of fourteen. And you're thinking, oh, if he goes 4-14, we might win. Not a great night. But you know what else Jaw had? Jaw had 11 assists. Yeah, he got other ja guys involved. Jaw had five rebounds. Jaw was a plus 27 in his box plus minus. Yeah, the
1: Sens really dug themselves into a hole, right? So, like, first quarter, obviously not the defensive effort that you're looking for. The, the Grizzlies scored 39 points in that right. first quarter. 38 in the third quarter. So they certainly had their moments. But even when they held the Grizzlies to 20 in the second quarter, then the offense goes cold and only scores 18. So... So you lose that quarter as well. It's it's a hole that they dug themselves into in the first three quarters that there was zero chance of them digging themselves out of, even winning the fourth quarter, which was kind of nice to see that they at least uh, got some of the momentum back late in the game, but it just was too big of at a that hole. Point, you lose by 25. Over. At I that mean, point, it's
0: over. I mean, they had 38 points by halftime. They were down by 21 at the half. Yeah. It just You set it's yourself back so far. And remember, I think we've talked about this already. The trend with the Suns last season is they never lost when they ha- they never lost. Excuse me, when they had a third quarter lead heading into the fourth. If they were leading in the third quarter, it was cut, print, done. Win for the Suns. Don't you kind of expect this though? When there's no Booker, don't
1: sure. you kind of expect it? I mean, you're replacing Booker with Landry Shamit. Who I- I'll give Landry Shamit credit. It, I went to the Wizards game the other night, right? Okay. Shamit went off. Now, he clearly had the green light, because it's not like he made every shot he took, but he had over 30 points in that game. DeAndre Ayton was also pretty impressive in that one. Um And in this game in particular, clearly had the green light again Six for 16. Now, that's not a great shooting percentage. 3 of 10 from 3 point. Eh, it's okay, I guess. Yeah. Uh, only ends the night with 15 points, but that's
0: your second leading scorer for the entire game. This year, it's been the first quarters that have been killing them. When the Phoenix Suns are put behind in the first quarter... They have a very, very, very hard time pulling out W's in the end. Here's where it really gets my goat. Because you know what else happened this week related to Memphis? John Morant did a sit-down interview on ESPN. And for those of you hearing this for the first time, here's the clip. John Morant was asked by Malika Andrews, the one hosting this one-on-one interview, about who he sees as contenders, excuse me, to Memphis. Who do you look at around the league as you're studying
1: and say, we're going
0: to have to run through them? Celtics. No one in the West? Nah. I'm fine in the West. So here you go. You've got this perfectly placed bulletin board material, stuffed locker room talk that now comes out onto the mainstream airwaves. And Jai even backed it up pregame, too. He said, like I said, I'm fine in the West. Right. So he's emphasizing that the Phoenix Suns are no problem to him and the Memphis Grizzlies. And guess what? Maybe not him directly, but they sure as hell backed it up last night, dropping their supposed rival in the West. By 25 points.
1: Well, again, I think it's different if Booker is there. I think uh, if Cam Johnson's sure. healthy, I think. I think that we a can fully speculate about Sun this team plays day. better. Uh, but let me give you the rundown. Because the Grizzlies right now are tied for first in the West. They're tied with the Denver Nuggets. Uh, that's certainly a, a force to be reckoned with. Although I don't think the Nuggets are as good of a team as the Grizzlies. I think Jokic is far and away the
0: best player. I think offensively, they're absurd this year. Defensively, they've got some work to do. That's okay. Denver, I so would So that's say. Denver.
1: They've got the Pelicans... Currently in third and only half a game back of those two teams. That's a team that's really on the up But They up. squeaked one out against OKC last night in overtime. The Suns are fourth, two games behind the leaders. The Clippers are fifth. I'm not so worried about the Clippers, although their record is almost identical to the Suns. Yeah. The Kings, I've never been worried about the Kings, but they might be on the, on their way up as well. The Jazz and the Mavericks round out the West. First of all, the fact that the Warriors are 11th right now and really a non-factor in the West that's got to be encouraging to some of these other teams, like the Grizzlies, the Nuggets, the Pelicans, the Suns, who have been trying to edge their way up the Western Conference rankings. Mm -hmm. And the Warriors have just always been in the way. And it appears that this
0: year they're just not at that point. They're 15 and 18. Here's what else how it bothers me. So John Morant says what he says, and then, boom, 25-point win over the Suns. Right. This isn't the first time that this has happened to an Arizona sports team. Do you remember this from Von Miller in 2018? Last two weeks, I mean, we had a 200-yard rusher. Put um, a 200-yard rusher in the last two weeks, so, you know, I get where he's coming from, but, you know, that was the last two weeks. You know, this week is totally different. We're going to get everybody's best this week. Um, they're going to get our whole team's best, and that starts with me. They're going to get my best this week, and we're going to go out right there and we're going to kick their ass. is the way I'm feeling. Is it a must-win? I wouldn't say it's a must-win. We're going to kick their ass, though. Make sure you put that up there. We're gonna get devs. You know who Von Miller was talking about in that soundbite? I don't. The Arizona Cardinals. The the week that they played on Thursday night. <laughs> this is the Josh Rosen, Steve Wilks season. Do you know what happened yeah, in that yeah. Broncos Cardinals game on Thursday night at State Farm Stadium? I'm gonna say the Broncos rolled over the Cardinals, 45 to 10. Yeah, that's what I. I don't to appreciate this happening to the Arizona sports teams.
1: I get it. Again, with the Suns Grizzlies, it's a regular season game in December where you're missing your best player, maybe two of your top four players. So I understand where the where the frustration comes from. John Morant talks a big game; he certainly plays a big game. Although I would argue, again in this one, I don't think he necessarily backed up his words. I think the team backed up his words. Sure,
0: but it's still frustrating. Absolutely. And here we are and here we are thinking last year was going to be the year for the Suns or I guess technically back in the summer when Booker's doing the whole the Luka special thing mm, and then yeah. next thing you know they're up 3-2 but they lose 4-3. It's like where's the where's the Arizona Sports team that gets to talk the talk and walk the walk? The, where's that
1: team? You know the West is actually a lot tighter than we give it credit for. I mean, between the number 1 team and let's go back to number 11 the Warriors we talked about, it's only 6 game difference there. Yeah. So the West is pretty tight. I mean, I haven't really looked at the East, but all right, let's go look at the East. There's, uh, what did I say, a six-game difference? There's a six-game difference in the East between number 1 and number 8. Sheesh. So the Celtics there in much more
0: comfortable position. It's tightly packed in the East for sure. Coming up next, if Cliff Kingsbury leaves his head coaching job this year, is it going to be by fire or by his own accord? That's next on Arizona Sports Saturday. It's beginning to look alive. Mitch and Steve on Arizona Sports Saturday.
1: Arizona Sports, the sports
0: leader. I don't know how Trevor knew it, but he knows that this is one of my favorite Christmas songs. And he knows that Buble does very, very good Christmas covers. Michael Bubbly.
1: I guess that shows I've been around you guys too long. (laughs)
0: Yeah, that's probably what it is.
1: feel bad for you, actually. Thanks for checking out Arizona Sports Saturday today. Ooh. Tons of football going on, by the way. In tons. Tons, uh, sub-zero tons, temperatures. Well, actually, I don't know if they're no. Sub-zero quite
0: literally, this. What is it? The vortex, the polar vortex. I heard oh, it was raised polar Cyclone. Oh my gosh, that's what it's called. It's very dramatic. I like it. Like all of these eastern states, everything west of miss everything east of the Mississippi, basically. Is suffering through this absurd cold storm right now.
1: Uh, it, certainly glad that we're uh, spending Christmas here in Arizona. Yeah, this what, year. what
0: temperature is it right now? Uh, it's got to be in like, like the stones. 70s, maybe? 57? 57. 59? 57. That's High of 69 today? Feels like 70s. I'm not going to lie. I think we're in
1: good shape. Uh, definitely in good shape. But Who's just not because, in good shape, though? Just because it's warm outside in Arizona, warmer than the rest of the country, doesn't mean that uh, there's warm vibes going on in the Arizona ah. Cardinals facility. The newest story out of ESPN. This is written by Jeremy Fowler and also Josh Weinfuss, covers the team for ESPN. Mm-hmm. And some interesting nuggets in here, but I'll run you through the title at first. It's called, Are the Cardinals Nearing the End of the Road with Cliff Kingsbury? Within this article, the main gist that I got was later in the article where it says uh, that things might be untenable and that Cliff Kingsbury might want to resign from his position as head coach at the end of the season. Oh, that things aren't going well, that Steve Kime's presence uh, in the facility has been much less this season than in years past, uh, that that relationship has soured, that the sou- uh, relationship between quarterback and coach has soured a bit, the relationship between coach and owner has soured a bit. It's hard to imagine that not being true on some level, right, because of the way that the season has gone.
0: Well, Cliff Kingsbury was asked about it yesterday. It was a report in ESPN today, miserable and then you might consider walking away and yeah, actually uh, no i haven't seen that but no okay so <laughs> are first, you miserable so no. fr- first of all <laughs> this is the joke that we had pre-show first of all what do you expect him to say yes yeah what was he gonna say yeah. yep it was also miserable definitely gonna quit i also want to point out it was the last question that he was allowed to be asked Mm. At the presser yesterday, our own own Tyler Drake pointed out as soon as that question was asked, they silenced any other questions and they said goodbye to Cliff Kingsbury. That whole presser was three and a half minutes.
1: I don't know who asked that question. Bob Menemann. It sounded like like Bobby Mack. Okay, so why wasn't that question asked by Josh Weinfuss? I wonder. Good question. Who wrote the article. I'm sure that, you know, he checks with all his sources and whatnot. I'm not saying there's anything nefarious going on here, but it just seems like if you're the guy who's going to write the the piece that says the coach is miserable, maybe you should be the one to bring up, hey, are you miserable? At the press conference, but maybe that's just me. Um, Yeah, listen, is he going to resign? Kingsbury just signed on for this massive contract extension the same way that Steve Kime did, the same way that Kyler Murray did. Certainly he's not going anywhere. Um, There's some fascinating tidbits in this, though. I wouldn't think Kingsbury would leave voluntarily and negate the contract extension and the money that I'm sure he would be owed in a buyout You'd rather
0: get fired Well, so how about be th- owed that money. Well, so how about this? Maybe Kingsbury is at the point where he just doesn't want to be a part of this organization anymore. Here's a reference to the story. One source close to the head coach went as far as to say the Cardinals front office, quote, won't let him be great, close quote. Okay. In the following paragraph, another spoke on Kingsbury being, quote, extremely frustrated, close quote, with Murray at some point this season and added the head coach believed... The signal caller's attitude was rubbing his teammates the wrong way. There's also the notion that the head coach feels like he has been given enough resources to really succeed in his role. Yeah, the resources one. Let's touch on that real quick. Uh, so, uh, well, I sure as hell hope he's been given enough resources. Well, let's Come go through on. it
1: offensively. Can we go through it? Just Sure. This is an offensive coach, right? Let's do it. Right? Uh, First of all, the organization drafted Kyler Murray with the intent of having Cliff Kingsbury. That's number one. So they did draft a quarterback, number one overall, the year after they took a quarterback in the first round. So that's already a pretty good resource to start with. Yep. Um, Let's go to running back. They made the acquisition of James Conner, a veteran running back. They brought him back a year later. I think that's a big investment at the running back position. Mm Mm-hmm um additionally wide receiver they traded for deandre hopkins they traded away david johnson to get deandre hopkins and significant draft picks so you get deandre hopkins that's a huge resource they Uh, traded
0: for one this year they traded away their first rounder to get marquise hollywood brown a first round pick veteran veteran uh contract for aj green trade for robbie anderson midseason Last year, trade for second Zach round, Ertz midseason. Second round pick on Rondale Moore. Using your second round draft pick this year on Trey McBride, a tight end. You offensive know where, line. Do you know what's fascinating, though? Because I was just about to bring this up. You know where their money or investment has been little spent on? The offensive line. Well. <laughs> Which I think is by far the most important part of what makes this offense actually function well.
1: Go back to previous to this season. Rodney Hudson was acquired in a trade. That was the big one. Huge trade. One of the top centers in the league. Clearly doesn't want to be here anymore. At least that's the way it looks to me. And I don't know if he plays football again, or at least not the I mean, for the there's Cardinals. three
0: weeks left, and they're a mess. Is he going to come back? I doubt it. Kind of doubt it. Um, DJ Humphrey was was
1: already here, so I, I don't know if that counts as a resource. But they did re-up him. They did extend him. Sure. So I guess that counts as a They paid him like one of the
0: better left tackles in the league. Is they went and got like Justin
1: that? Pugh... Uh, They added Josh Jones in the draft. I mean, they've used tons of
0: resources on this offense. They acquired Will Hernandez. Or not acquired. They signed Will Hernandez. Then they acquired Cody Ford, who's played, what, two games this year? Look, not everything is working in their favor. So I find it fascinating that he thinks that he's got everything he needs, and yet the offense looks like what the offense looks like. Here's the argument I I
1: will kind of make in defense of Cliff Kingsbury, and I'm not one to defend the guy very often, but... Although you've spent a ton of resources on this offense, very little have they all been available to you at the same time. Yes. We've obviously talked, and I'm just speaking specifically on this season. No, no, no. Yeah. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins misses the first six games due to suspension. We've talked about that ad nauseum. So that's out there already. Yes. Marquise Hollywood Brown got injured right around the time that Hopkins was coming back. So instead of having both of them on the field at the same time, you had one or the other for almost a little more than half of this season. Um, Zach Ertz goes out with an injury. Last year, Max Williams goes out with an injury. So at times, you've been without your leading tight ends. Uh, certainly, the offensive line has had double-digit number of combinations to start games this season. I think season. they're at 10. I think they're at 10. Uh, running back, you lost James Conner for a time and had to rely on Eno Benjamin. And then things went south with Eno Benjamin. And now you're back on James Conner. So there's been... an a lot of turnover. Certainly, we haven't even talked about the quarterback situation with Kyler getting right. injured. You were on Colt McCoy. Now Colt McCoy's injured. Now you're on Trace McSorley. So on the one hand, I can side with Cliff Kingsbury a little bit that while you have all these resources, they've never all been available to you at the same time. And that's frustrating because if this was a fully healthy team for the majority of the season, nobody's fully healthy all season, but for the majority of the year, you had most of your big time players. I would expect the Cardinals would have won more games then what are we at, four? Four. I mean, maybe you're, a, maybe you're a 500 ball club if you had reasonable amount of, like, everybody's available all at the same time, but that's still not good enough. No. So for me to read that somebody close to Cliff Kingsbury, whoever that is, says he doesn't feel they gave him the resources to succeed, I mean,
0: maybe you could make that argument defensively. So I was, But the defense has done a lot more with a lot less. I found a snippet of the quote I was looking for. Here's the full quote from the source. He knows that it's not a situation that lends itself to him being happy and successful at his best for that organization, which he wants to be. They won't let him. They won't let him be great. They won't let him be great. What does that mean? The other thing I was trying to
1: look for was... Does that mean Bidwell is holding him back? Is Steve Kime holding him back by picking the wrong players? Okay, well, how about this? What does that
0: mean? Buried in the story by Winefuss and Fowler is one detail on Keim's future. While he and Bidwell have been close, that has quote, soured this season. It just feels like at this rate a lot of thing, a lot of turnover is about to happen and the only person that's going to be left when the dust settles on Black Monday is Kyler Murray.
1: Oh, he'll still be here, yeah. Which, do you feel good about that though? Um, I've always been a big fan of Kyler Murray. Uh, The person uh, is obviously different conversation than than the player. I think a lot of people have questions about the person, the leadership, the body language on the field, the ability to lead other men. I think that there's a lot of questions there still. And those didn't really get answered this season, in my opinion. There were incidents of him yelling at Kingsbury on the sideline or uh, him and DeAndre Hopkins going at it and it was caught on HBO Hard Knocks. And So, like, yeah, inevitably you're still going to have those questions about Kyler Murray. Those have not been answered. I feel good about the talent. I feel good about the player. Given the right situation and the right coach and the right coordinator, maybe it's a better scenario. I'd
0: keep Kyler before I'd keep Keimer clip. I feel like the other part of it is he needs to commit himself more to this game. What's, what's unique about Kyler in comparison to every dual threat quarterback currently in the NFL is Kyler refuses to take a hit. Think of it this way. Patrick Mahomes, is he going to take a big hit every now and then when he starts to run? He'll do some wacky move about it, but he's got a body type that's built to be able to sustain that. Josh Allen, need I say more. Justin Fields, look at how much he's developed as a runner in the offense this year with Chicago. Those are just three examples, but the way of the running quarterback in this league is you now have to be built, you have to be stocky, and you have to be able to take those types of hits. And I wonder if now that Kyler has sustained this massive of an injury, if he's going to play even more carefully than he already was to avoid getting hurt again. And I get it. You don't want to get hurt. But you need to have the willingness to also take a hit every now and then, and I just don't see that from him.
1: Uh, to your point about getting hit, I mean, the injury didn't happen when he got hit; it was non-contact. Sure, to, but it's your point but still stands about how of, he plays going forward. He's about to get
0: hit because he took an awkward step and he twisted and screwed up his knee. Right, it was inevitable.
1: I think. Uh, bottom line for this article, because the biggest thing that came out of it was the suggestion that Kingsbury might resign. Uh, definitely, don't see that. I. I especially with that contract extension, man, I'd I'd wait to get fired.
0: And I'd be okay with it if I did, because you're going to get paid. That's a hell of a buyout, and he's got a pretty nice house, so I think he'll be okay.
1: Coming up next, usually it's not so good when you trade your best player away, but maybe not in the D-backs case. We'll talk about the haul that they just got for trading away, who I think is probably their best player, next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Bireldis, Steve Zinsmeister,
0: Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Shot to right center. There she goes. Three-run Homer. Diamondbacks on top on the three-run Homer by Varsho. That was from earlier this season. Greg Schulte on the call, a Dalton Varsho. Three-run home run in the later innings of an eventual 6-2 win. Mitch all the Steve Zinsmeister, Trevor Henry, behind the glass, back here with you in the auction community studios. Why are we playing a Dalton Varshow highlight? Well, it's the last highlight that we're going to get of him of in a Diamondbacks uniform. I almost stumbled over my own words there. In case you missed it, yesterday, the Diamondbacks made a trade with the Toronto Blue Jays, a two-for-one, and look, this this is what we're going to talk about for the entirety of the next 10 minutes or so. Dalton Varshow for catcher Gabriel Moreno and outfielder Lourdes Gurriel Jr. A two-for-one. That is three major league-level-ready talents in one trade. And I got to be honest, Steve, I'm pissed. Okay, walk me through uh, your frustration. So, you teased it. He might be the best player on the Arizona Diamondbacks. Well, Statistically, you can make an argument Now was. So, why are you trading away your best player, then? Is this Paul? It's not to the same magnitude. But is this Paul Goldschmidt all over again, where we're trading away a guy who is on his way to being or is your franchise icon, and you traded him for some other major league ish level talent? And already are we about to get bit in the ass again, like we were with Luke Weaver and Car- and uh, Carson Kelly? Well, if you want to compare it to the Goldschmidt trade, I can walk you through why I think
1: this one's better. The Goldschmidt trade was. The most established player this franchise has ever had, probably the best offensive player in the history of the Diamondbacks, Paul Goldschmidt, for three unknown entities. You were getting Carson Kelly, who had very minimal experience at the major league level, Mm -hmm. Uh, Luke Weaver, again, very little experience at the major league level, and Andy Young, who, uh, again, almost no experience at that point in time. Right. So those were three prospects you were hoping to turn out for the best player in your franchise's history offensively. This trade's different. Dalton Varsho, certainly uh, a part of a commodity in the outfield. Four left-handed hitting, quick, well-defending outfielders. Varsho, Carroll, Thomas, McCarthy. Mm -hmm. All four of them. I'm not going to say they're all the same player, but they're very similar. They do similar things. Yes, Varsho is the most established of the four. He had 27 home runs last year. Uh, he hit like 234, 308 on base. Neither of those the batting numbers average are very wasn't impressive. good,
0: but he's got the speed. He's got the Gold Glove finalist. He, he ability. was nominated
1: for two Gold Gloves. He can hit home two runs. positions.
0: Hell, he, he. I mean, to your point, he used to catch. Yes. Like, so he's got flexibility.
1: In that regard, he's a less established player than Goldie, and what you're getting in return is Lourdes Gurriel, who's a competent hitter at the Major League level, five years in the league. Uh, this is a guy who, on his career, is 285, 329 hitter. I like that. I like that a lot. He plays corner outfield, right-handed hitter, something that they were looking to add to their outfield. I respectfully the, don't want him playing corner outfield. The real winner in this is Gabriel Moreno. I agree. Yeah. 22 year old, top prospect in baseball over the last couple of years. A catcher who last season, small sample size, 25 games in the majors, hit 319 on base 356. In the minor leagues, he hit 310. This is a real offensive minded catcher, one of the best prospects in the game. And part of the reason I like this trade so much for both sides is because not only is the best player going to Toronto, probably, but uh, both teams are going to benefit here. They traded from their surplus of catchers. They obviously have Alejandro Kirk, who was an all-star last year. Danny Jansen, Jansen, who's a top ten catcher at his best, at his peak. They traded from their depth, and the Diamondbacks traded from theirs. And I think that all things even, I kind of like this trade. You filled two significant holes in your lineup. Yes, it hurts to get rid of Dalton Varsho. Yes, I, I would rather if they have moved Alec Thomas or JJ McCar- uh, Jake McCarthy. Sorry, well, not JJ. I'm going to
0: go back to the same argument. Why do you have to move any of them? You didn't I underst- have to. That's what I'm saying. It's like you didn't you didn't have to make this trade. I understand why this trade happened. I mean, heck, look at it from the Blue Jays side. You know what their outfield's probably going to be opening day? George Springer in left, Kevin Kiermaier in center, and Dalton Varsho in right. Yeah. Is there a baseball dropping in that outfield? I highly doubt it. Those are three of the better Outfielders that we've seen in the last five years. Right. I don't think a baseball is dropping in that outfield. It's a good outfield. That's probably why they were free to move on from Lardis Goriel Jr. It massively improves their defense. And you know what it does for the Diamondbacks? It massively weakens their defense. Because I get it. You have three center fielders that are out there playing in the outfield basically, but your best defender is your worst hitter. Alex Thomas, you're talking Alec about. Thomas okay. your second best defender is playing the position that he probably shouldn't be. He should probably be the one in center, Corbin. but he's also had the least experience at the major league level in Corbin Carroll. And then Jake McCarthy, I'm not going to say it's a fluke year, but what if he becomes like Robbie Ray, where Robbie Ray had this really awesome campaign in 2017, goes to the All-Star game, and then we never saw that same guy for the Diamondbacks again. It's and possible. then what does he do when he immediately leaves? He wins the Cy Young. His go figure,
1: of here, course. After listening to Mike Hazen last night try to explain how they came up with this deal, this made a lot of sense to me. He kind of hinted at, you know, we looked at what we could get for some of the other players. Alec Thomas... Uh, McCarthy, what could we have gotten for that? I guarantee you weren't going to get this. You weren't going to get this. And no. he and he mentioned that. He said, you know, we knew the return was going to be higher for Varsho because he was the only of the four that was established as an offensive player and, and very good defensive player in this league. The return for Thomas might have been nowhere near this. So they said, too, we weren't trying to capitalize on getting the most possible value out of this trade. We were targeting these two players. We wanted Moreno, we wanted Gurriel, we found a way to get both. Do you want
0: the exact quote? Yeah, go for it. It wasn't something that we took lightly, Hazen said yesterday. In order for us to add the talent that we felt like we added to the organization, it wouldn't have been possible otherwise. We explored a lot of scenarios. And then he went on to say, but as we started to really stare down what our returns could be and how we could actually impact our Major League team, it became fairly clear the avenue that we were going to have would to ultimately take if we wanted to do that, close quote. So basically what you just said. So now this kind of sets up and mitigates this problem, I say with heavy air quotes, because I don't think it will be the same kind of problem this year as it was last year, where you're overly left-handed heavy in the lineup. And the reason why I don't think it's going to be nearly as much of a problem this year is because of one big rule change, Steve, and you know exactly what it is. The shift change. The shift ban. Yeah. Which means it's a lot easier for left-handed hitters to actually get on base when they pull the baseball probably 60% of their at-bats. So I don't necessarily understand that being part of the reasoning for moving on from Dalton Varshow, if that is part of the reasoning. I understand that you'd get a a power right-handed bat who's got marginal defense but can basically fill the DH spot every single day. And you've got one hell of a catching prospect. Maybe the second best catching prospect in the leagues right now behind Francisco Mejia in New York. Yeah. But it's a prospect. We don't know what he can do at the major league level yet. Well, he's he got, got a small sample size. he got a very league. small sample size. 25 he got, games. He got a Corbin Carroll sample size last year. Right. Do we know what Corbin Carroll's going to be yet? No. Respectfully. So you're... you're you're putting a lot of faith in guys that you have not seen a lot of major league tape of. That's my concern with this trade.
1: Yeah, no, I listen, I get that it's difficult to let go of a guy who just proved himself to be established. Here's another way to look at it if you want to look at it purely statistically. You traded a guy who hit 234 last season and you got two guys, one who hits 285 for his career and the other one who hits 319. I mean, he got better offensively as long as the two play the way that they've played before.
0: I think the irony of it though is to your point, I think Dalton Varsho was their best offensive hitter last year. But even it, if he was hitting two thirty four. Here's the other thing, too. You had two really good offensive players last year, Varsho and
1: Christian Walker. Yes. And Both Walker of them hit were, like two hundred. That's the thing. <laughs> Both of them are low average, low on base, high power kind of guys. And they needed somebody in this lineup who's going to be consistently getting on base. They might have just
0: got two of them. But we don't know that for sure. Again, going back to the shift ban. I'm just going off
1: of what they've done in the past. Sure,
0: But what if Dalton Varsho's batting average increases because of the way that players can no longer shift on him? It was the same thing with Christian Walker last year. Remember that deep dive article where they looked at how Christian Walker was hitting the ball and where he was hitting it to? And it was basically just like the extremely bad luck of bad luck hitting yeah, for Christian Walker, that's going to change this year because you won't have three guys on one side of the infield defending Christian Walker anymore. The same thing will be for Varsho.
1: I don't think that the shift ban will have as big of an impact statistically as a lot of people do. I think you and I might differ there. I, the other thing that I think you and I differ on is I don't think that losing Varsho is a massive downgrade to your outfield defense. I really don't. Uh, they went out. Is is he much better than Lourdes Gurriel? Yeah, probably. But we don't even know where Gurriel will play primarily. He could be a DH a lot of the time. He has infield experience at I don't second want him and third. In the infield, respectfully, I have. He hasn't played there in a while, so I don't think that that's a huge uh, yeah, prediction to make at this yeah. point. But they go out and get Kyle Lewis, who's capable in the corner outfield. He's just been dealing with injuries. I actually think their defense is probably just as good today as it was at the end of last season. Uh, You also upgrade over Stone Garrett, who wasn't much defensively to begin with. I think that, honestly, I wouldn't be shocked if they moved another one of their left-handed hitting outfielders.
0: It just feels like the big argument that they made. Remember when they traded David Peralta? It feels like the big argument, and Gambo was talking about this a ton after they traded Peralta. It's time for the young guys. It's time for the young guys to show them what they got. It's time for the young guys to lead the way for this organization. That was supposed to be Dalton Varsho, and now that's not the case.
1: Yeah, and that's a real bummer. I get it. Giving up on the guy after, you know, two seasons, essentially, that he's been on the squad. I, I, I get that it it sucks. It's hard. It, it's hard to let go of a guy before you really realize what he's going to become. But at the same time, Gabriel Moreno's the real deal at catcher. And you get one season of Lourdes Gurriel. Maybe they lock him up and have him here long term. I, I like the trade. I think it's good for both teams. And those are rare to come by, but Mike Hazen's concocted a few of those in his
0: time. I hope it works out. I hope that we are talking about this in October, and I'm proven wrong. I really hope so. I like what it does to the lineup. Two guys who can hit. It'll create an interesting lineup for sure. Coming up next, it's going to be a very weird edition of Around the NFL. Why? Because there's NFL games already in action. It's next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Make and Steve go around the NFL on Arizona Sports Saturday. That's right. You hear the music. You know what that means. It's time to go around the NFL. Although today is kind of weird because it is, of course, Christmas tomorrow. So Merry Christmas to those of you that celebrate. Which means that the NFL was kind enough to give some teams the holiday off. So all the games, except for four, five I should say, because there was a Thursday one, are in action today and some of them right now, Steve. So we can't necessarily go around the NFL and predict and give you reasons to watch because they're already happening. It feels really cold in the studio. What makes you say that? Because <laughs> it's cold everywhere. Did the polar vortex hit us here? Uh. All right, so we talked about it leading up to this segment, and what we're going to do differently is for the games that are already in action, we'll, of course, tell you how they're going, the score, fantasy <laughs> updates, etc., etc. but Steve, instead of telling you why you should watch, he's just going to tell you what the temperature
1: is. I'm going to play Weatherman, because this is hilarious, speaking, some of the games going on Speaking
0: today. of sports people playing Weatherman, did you see that viral clip? going around on Twitter.
1: Oh, the weather guy who was like, I'm still out He's here. He's like a
0: sports guy doing weather on the weekends for the or holiday- Whatever. I thought it was kind of catchy. Okay. So first game on my docket. I don't know about yours. I've got Buffalo Bills on the road in Chicago taking on the Bears. Currently, that one's in the second quarter. Ten minutes to go. The Bears leading 7-6. And it is currently 12 degrees oh in Chicago. God. No that's, snow that that's I've awful. seen. But 12 Degrees 12. That is absurd. Josh Allen, uh, the leading passer, six for eight. He's got 80 yards and a touchdown. That went to Gabe Davis, who has two receptions for 34 yards and a touchdown. Justin Fields also has a passing touchdown. This one to Dante Pettis. It a
1: beautiful throw. I mean, was, he was wide open, he was wide so. open, but you still got to make <laughs> that very throw, hard. Right?
0: Um, next game. Your Brownies hosting the New Orleans Saints in Cleveland. They just scored their first touchdown. Oh. Deshaun Watson, a 12-yard run.
1: I was interested to know how Deshaun Watson would handle the cold because it is 7 degrees oh in Cleveland my today. Goodness. No, thank you. This Alvin is a guy who played for the Houston
0: Texans, and he's got to face 7-degree weather. Like, is South Carolina oh. dealing with it right now? I don't think so. Ugh, I wouldn't think so. It's brutal. So that one's 7 nothing Browns over the Saints. About 13 minutes left in the second quarter. Uh, Alvin Kamara, 7 for 24. That's about it, basically. In Kansas City in Arrowhead, Chiefs have a 7 nothing lead over the Seattle Seahawks. That one's at about 13 and change in the second quarter. Patrick Mahomes... A touchdown pass to Kadarius Tony. Yeah, in, in Kansas one.
1: City, that's not on the East Coast, so it would be a lot warmer there, right? How much warmer? Wrong 16 degrees oh in Kansas City
0: today. I think my that's Cleet Blakeman, goodness. the referee. He's got one of those, like, you can only see the face of his head, and then <laughs> the rest of it is wrapped up in some, like, warmer of oh. sorts. Ah, Crazy. Pat Mahomes, 5 of 10 for 41 yards in that touchdown. And then Isaiah Pacheco, if any of you have him, seven carries for thirty-five yards on the ground, I'm seeing there. Minnesota, they just tacked on to their early lead against the Giants. They're now up ten nothing. That one just under ten minutes to go in the second quarter. Again, Vikings ten nothing over the New York Giants. Steve. Listen,
1: they play indoors, so I'm not gonna get, you know, sentimental about the Vikings. But what is it in Minnesota?
0: Two degrees. Oh my god. Is there a single NFL city today that's tra- tra- above 16 degrees. Trev's just shaking his head behind the glass like two missing numbers here. I'm very curious. I know the Lions aren't playing in Michigan today, but I'm very curious what it is in Detroit right now. So we'll get to that in a second. Kirk Cousins, 12 of 16, 119 yards and a touchdown. That went to TJ Hawkinson, who's at 5 for 50 yards. Foxborough has our warmest temperatures so far. Ooh, I'm ready. But first... 17 degrees. Oh, man. 17. So so what what temperatures do we have? We have seventeen. We had two. Sixteen, 16 10, 10, 10. 7. Oh my god. It's cold everywhere today. Bengals just tacked on a field goal. They're up fifteen nothing over the New England Patriots. That one just getting started. In the second quarter, Joe Burrow has two touchdown passes, one to T. Higgins, and I think the other one is to Joe Mixon. And then Evan McPherson has missed both of his extra point attempts, or one of his extra point attempts, but he hit a 28-yard field goal. So, interesting day for the kicker. Panthers just scored. They're now up 14-7 on the Detroit Lions. Nine and a half to go in the second quarter. That one in North Carolina, Steve?
1: Oh, sweltering in North Carolina I'm sure. Today. 23 degrees. Oh, my goodness. That's By the, the warmest way, Detroit, so far. just because you were interested, no, yes. they're not playing there, but Detroit, nine degrees currently. Oh, so God. it is So uh, it is a little better in North Carolina. Let's not see. much.
0: Let's see. Jared Goff, 8 of 11. He's got a 124 yards and a touchdown pass. I think that went to, uh, who's that tight end? Uh... Shane Zilstra, Yeah, okay. that guy. Sorry if you don't have him. And then two rushing touchdowns for the Panthers, one by Raheem Blackshear and one by Sam Darnold. Although it's a good ground game for Chuba Hubbard and Deontay Foreman. Four for 72 for Hubbard, four for 70 for Foreman. That's pretty good. Pretty good day by the duo. And then the only other game in action right now is Baltimore Ravens hosting the Atlanta Falcons. Ravens have a couple of field goals at 10 minutes and change in the second quarter, they're up six nothing. It's currently nineteen degrees in Baltimore. Oh my are God. people
1: going to these games right now? Are, are there 100%. people in the stands? I think so.
0: God, or I would that's think so, so. Cold. That's that's just the morning slate, and of course, because they're all East or Central Time games, all of these other games are going to be West Coast or relatively close to West Coast. The one exception might be the Tennessee Titans, who are hosting the Houston Texans. That at noon. Uh, I don't know what the temperature is on that one. Why uh, are you watching this one? <laughs> Texans, Titans. Also, mean, wait, this starts at noon. The what? first
1: thing I'm thinking about with the Texans is, uh, I mean, no player intentionally loses for a better draft pick, right? But you're Unless currently they sitting do. at one twelve and one. You're just three weeks away from solidifying having the number one pick and picking the quarterback of the future, probably
0: Bryce Young. Uh, the Texans don't have much to play for at this point. They can play spoiler uh, because big news out of Tennessee. No Ryan Tannehill. It's Malik Willis today. So Tannehill Willis. might be done for the year, and then that might set up Jacksonville to steal the division. Jeez. That's insane. That's crazy. That That division is really bad. That's disgusting. Talk about a really, really bad division. Uh, later on in the afternoon, this might actually be the best one. The, it, two really good games, actually, in the afternoon. Washington Commanders coming off that loss to the Giants on Sunday night against the Brock Purdy undefeated 49ers. Uh, except the 49ers lost last week to the to Bears. Who? What? 19-10. to 10. When was this? Last week. They didn't lose to the Bears last Regular week. Regular season. Wasn't that last week? Or is that? No, they beat the Seahawks last week. Oh, sorry. It's week. at
1: the top of the list on ESPN.com. Sorry. They did lose to the Bears at yeah. some point, but.
0: That was week one. Sorry.
1: You're right. You're right. I'm looking at the at the list upside down. I don't like the way that ESPN does <sighs> it. Uh, Steve. Sorry. I read it That's wrong. It's okay. I like Brock Purdy a lot, by the way. He, and I, I said this last great. week. This he is looks an interesting great. point. If Brock Purdy takes them to the playoffs, which at this point looks more than plausible, yes. and he wins a playoff game or two, and you go into the off season and you have two players on your roster who have both won multiple playoff games, and you're still leaning Trey Lance,
0: I highly doubt that, man. It's time to move on from or, Trey Lance. If,
1: he wins. if Brock
0: Purdy wins a playoff game, you move on from Trey Lance. Or there's quite a few teams that could use a quarterback, and they could look at Brock Purdy and be like, oh, Might be worth gambling on. The other interesting game in the second half, but also missing a starting quarterback, Philadelphia Eagles in Dallas. In Jerry World, taking on the Cowboys. Ooh, finally, we actually get a good matchup.
1: Uh, Both teams, double-digit wins already, so significant seasons. Uh, Dak Prescott versus Jalen Hurts, except Jalen Hurts is gone. So, (laughs) uh, I'm kind of leaning Cowboys in that one. I think that the Eagles, a significant part of their success is
0: Jalen Hurts. No love for Minshew Mania? No, I'm not that big of a fan of Garner Minshew. Maybe the mustache, but not the player. For shame. Later tonight, this will be a very emotional night, I'm sure, for many. The Las Vegas Raiders on the road in Pittsburgh taking on the Steelers. So, for those that are unaware, Franco Harris, uh, the legendary Steelers player behind the Immaculate Reception, passed away on Thursday. The anniversary of the Immaculate Reception, the 50th year anniversary of that reception, was yesterday, and they were going to do that special honoring at this game tonight because these are the same two teams that played in that game.
1: Yeah, and the Raiders a really emotional night. the Raiders themselves coming off of. A very interesting finish, I guess you could call it, last week in New England or against New England, where they basically were handed a victory. And that's not something that you get very often against a Belichick coach team. So the Raiders, they won that game on that Chandler Jones. What is it? Is it technically an interception? or I think it's a fumble, fumble recovery. it's a fumble. Uh, but don't expect another game to be handed to you if you're the Raiders. Literally and figuratively? Literally and
0: figuratively. Look at the Christmas Day slate. Um,. I'll be frank, all these suck. Green Bay Packers Packers kick off the Christmas morning in Miami against the Dolphins.
1: It's been a long time since we could say this, but the Dolphins are a better team than the Packers, quite frankly, and I think that that's probably what we're going to see on uh, Sunday.
0: I just hope we see something good, because it doesn't get much better in the afternoon. Sounds like you're going to be watching the NBA. (laughs) Definitely going to be watching the NBA tomorrow, that's for sure. Until about 2.30, because, you know, I'm a diehard fan. Love my Denver Broncos. They're on the road against the L.A. Rams. Ugh, that's like the battle of the two organizations that are trying to mess up the most this just, Look, just to pause for a second, think about this slate of games in August. And Baker. now think about where we are now.
1: Oh, yeah. No, I, I understand <laughs> this was supposed to be good. Baker Mayfield versus uh, Brett Rippin, probably? It'll be Russ. It'll be Russ? He's It'll back. be Russ. Okay. Well, Thank at God. least the Broncos have that going for them, except they've been worse with Russ. Denver's a minus
0: three favorite in this one. Yeah, I don't know that's about that. <laughs> <laughs> They're one and the six over on the over-under is 36 and a half, Steve. Yeah, that's very low. That's bad. That's a bad matchup. Talk about bad matchups. Uh, cap off the evening right here in the Valley. Tampa Bay Buccaneers visiting the Arizona Cardinals. Third starting quarterback this season for the Cardinals. How are the Bucks only estimated to win by seven and a half?
1: That seems like it should be higher than That's that. That's bait. I'm not touching that. Seems like it should be higher than that. Just because I
0: listen, I don't trust Trace McSorley. Uh, Do you trust Todd Bowles? Todd Bowles is 0-4 <laughs> against backups and second-string quarterbacks this year. Listen, I know the Bucks have been bad this year. I get
1: it. Like this, I, from the very beginning, what have I been saying? Tom Brady downfall 2022. I've been saying that since week one. I knew that this was going to be the year that they fell apart. Should have
0: just retired. Probably should have. Monday night, the cap off of this. Very miserable week of football. Chargers-Colts in Indianapolis. How do you lose that game oh last week? Oh, my God. You right. and I left we the studio. Were <laughs> it was 33-0, to zero and they lost. Trev, literally, the two of us texted one another right as that game ended, and we're like, dude, the Vikings won. What the hell happened? That scenario I painted out for your Detroit Lions, I feel so bad now. I was they sitting- can't even win out to take the division. Yeah, no, I know. Li- I was a little salty, too.
1: <laughs> I was sitting at home and uh, going through scores. My girlfriend was going through scores on her phone. She goes, oh, the uh, the Vikings won. I was like, no, they lost to the Colts. So casual. And she's like, no, it says they won. And I was like, no, not this week. I was like, they were down 33 <laughs> when I left the studio <laughs> at halftime. And she's like, it says they won. And I was like, I couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe it.
0: All right. That's your football. We'll talk Suns next. Jay Crowder, a new home? Maybe. That's next on Arizona Sports Saturday.